0: Hey there, I'm Bellamy Young, and today I'm going to talk about what I wore when I auditioned for
1: Scandal. Welcome to What I Wore When, a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Perry Samitin. Each week, I'm sitting down with a woman I find fascinating to talk about what she wore during a pivotal moment in her life. We're using the power of style to tell the stories you haven't heard. The reason I was excited to talk to actress Bellamy Young wasn't because I watched all seven seasons of Scandal, but because I saw her on Broadway in 1997 playing a prostitute in The Life, a little known musical I was obsessed with as a teenager. Throughout our time together, I found Bellamy to be the ideal conversationalist chatty, unguarded, and very, very funny. This week, she explains what she wore when she auditioned to play Melly Grant on Scandal. She had a clear vision of how she wanted to look in her audition. And, as I learned, even celebrities shop at Zara. She also told me about how she dressed on her most recent first date, what she learned working with women like Kerry Washington and Shonda Rhimes, and about her ridiculously robust body of work, including her most recent series, Prodigal Son, on Fox. Here's our conversation. I want to start by asking you what we ask everyone. Um, What are you wearing right now? Today I am actually, thanks to Katie Riley, who's our amazing
0: costume designer on Prodigal Son, the show I'm doing for Fox, I am wearing an outfit that is Jessica's. So I'm wearing, I think it's a joie top, and I think it's theory pants, and some um, Jimmy Choo's, you know, down on the footsies. It's very... um
1: grown-up, put-together. Exactly, but still a little joyful. Yeah, it's fun, it's a little sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all right, it's a press day. The podcast is called What I Wore When, Mm. and so today you're going to be talking about what you wore when you auditioned for Scandal. Mm. And the reason this is notable is because you've said in the past that you normally don't buy clothes for auditions, but in this case you did. Is that right? You did. did. I did. So tell me. Tell me everything.
0: Well, it's notable also because I am not a big shopper. I'm not good at it. So it's like twice a year, very strategic things that I dream about or things that I need. And uh, and for auditions, um, i was I always been historically pretty circumscribed, but I read this part. And there wasn't a lot on the page for Melly because she was a tiny little part. I was just getting hired the day before I would work. Um, Two lines in the pilot, you know, hopefully it would recur, had no idea it would turn into what it turned into. Um, But Tony Goldwyn had directed me in A Dirty Sexy Money a couple of years before. And so I just thought to myself, who is the partner for Tony Goldwyn? Like, that's sort of, like, all I had to go on because the language was so thin. And I just had a very specific vision. I had, like, you know, a blue, a nice blue sort of upscale work shirt sort of blue. And I, but I wanted clam diggers, and I wanted a scarf, and I wanted pearls. And I, and I wanted to do, a, like, an updo, a French twist. And, um, and I didn't have any. Of that because that's not who I am. And so I did. I went out the night before. I went to the Grove in L.A. and Mm. went until I found, you know, people who cut pants for girls with heart-shaped bodies and or hourglass-shaped bodies. And and I found everything. And it's, when I look back over my life, you know, of waking up and getting dressed in the morning, it is a pivotal outfit because it really did change my life.
1: Do you remember what stores you went in? To? Oh, everything Looking at the Grove. Everything. But
0: I know the pants came from Zara. I think the scarf came from Anthropology. I had a vineyard feel, vineyard. like yep. Martha's Vineyard kind of thing. You know, I'm coming right from walking on the beach and then hosting a dinner party kind of thing. You know, at ease in both worlds, pretending to be comfortable in parenting, but also like ready to be appropriate at any moment. And it turned out that Melly. Had a more West Coast bent eventually, but um, her roots were still East Coast. And you got the part. I did. Did you know you were going to get the part? No, it was, you know, four girls in me that I always would see all the time at everything. And everybody is just as talented as the next person. And we would have all been happy for each other, especially because it was a tiny thing and work the next day. And who knows, but my stars am I happy that it turned into what it turned into and that it was me that got to go on the ride.
1: Was it one audition or was it several? It was one.
0: It was one. I worked the next day. One outfit. Yeah, one outfit. Some notes from Shonda and then off you go. You were in an episode of Grey's Anatomy?
1: I was in the The spinoff of
0: um, private practice. So it was an embedded two-hour Grey's Anatomy.
1: So you knew Shonda from that, I assume? Yeah, I was
0: on the radar.
1: Were you eager to work with her?
0: Oh, I remember when I watched uh, Grey's, when Grey's first came on the air, it... It changed television. It looked like the world I lived in. And that, sadly, at that point, was a great departure from what I was watching on television, what we all could see. Um, And the writing was so alive and electric and human and... I just couldn't believe it. I wasn't thinking shrewdly about, you know, business models at that point. I wasn't like, that's a right. I'm not I'm not the most, like, markedly ambitious human. So I was like, that's a person I want to work for. But, um, but I did appreciate the quality of the work and the honesty. And so uh, even when she tells a heightened story, she still just hooks your heart because she really knows people. And, yeah, so reading the script for Scandal was... It was then called... Um, oh my God, damage control. And I knew Carrie was going to be the lead and I knew Tony was in it. And it was just filling up with such great actors that there was no way it couldn't be. Well, Shauna always said she wanted it to be her West Wing.
1: And I think she probably got her wish. I feel like the pop culture pervasiveness of Mm. Scandal has been tremendous. I mean, as someone who has dipped in and out of that show, honestly, I feel like I know everything about it, just because every time I would sort of go on the internet, there was always something about it.
0: I agree. I agree. It was incredible and important for Carrie to be at the forefront and we couldn't have been any luckier because she was the best number one you could ever have. And number one always just sets the tone for everyone's experience on set and off. Um, but also, you know, Lynn Paolo, our costume designer on the show, she changed the conversation in a big way just through the look of it. And not just Olivia Pope. Everybody was very specific and very alive. So it was, it was lovely. And then Washington was so welcoming to us. Um, the Obama administration was already something Carrie was a part of. And so it was truly surreal to get to be in D.C. and be so welcomed and so a part of things. Um, yeah, it was an amazing time.
1: So for people that don't know, explain the character that you played in Scandal.
0: I played Tony Goldwyn's wife, and so I was being cheated on in the pilot. I was the first lady of these United States, Mm -hmm. and I eventually divorced him, had my own Senate seat, and then became president of the United States. And Olivia, with whom he had cheated on me, was my chief of staff.
1: Tony Goldwyn is somebody, I just feel like I have to mention this because— I feel like, and I will, this is a hot take, I will say this, his performance in Ghost is the greatest cinematic villain since, I think, Scar and the Lion King. That's my stance on Tony Goldwyn. And I was, like, kind of scared to watch Scandal because he always had, I just feel like that character in Ghost was so impactful for me. That character in
0: Ghost was so impactful for me. It informed evil. every man I wanted to date subsequently. So that tells you <laughs> a little something about me. Oh I was my like, God. I was so like, I thought he was so hot in Ghost. It's just he terrible. Was. He was so evil, though. He was hot and Ugh. evil. I mean, that was true evil. But I swear, he's like a teddy bear. He's the sweetest human being well, alive. Well, and every
1: time I've seen him since in interviews or read profiles, I'm like, he seems like the nicest guy. The ever. nicest guy. Like, you can't even believe there are no words. So I was reading up on some past interviews that you've done talking about Melly, and one thing that I read, you said that she's a woman who isn't afraid to take up space, mm-hmm. and I find that really interesting. And I'm wondering what if you can what does that mean? Define like define that.
0: I think it was defined for me by living in a matriarchy for those seven years. It was very instructive um, to breathe air that included my thoughts do you know like as a woman usually in a business situation um, you are reduced to your uh, physical type your your facial structure um, what you bring to the table in terms of your sexuality or you're the mother so um, it was remarkable Shonda from the very jump told all of us, you know, if you lose weight, if you gain weight, like, I hired who you are, so don't go changing. And we were like, huh? That's amazing. Amazing. And, uh, rare, I bet, Unbelievable. in your industry. Uh, 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 yeah, singular at that point. Yes. I hope increasingly the norm. Mm-hmm. But she also said, um, if I have to write you a sex scene, I'm going to write you a sex scene, because that's how the story goes. People have sex. But I'll write you in a parka. You know, whatever you're comfortable with, I'll make it happen. And, you know, no one had ever been so considerate of any of the females in the cast in that way. We had many, 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 many talks about it. But uh, she just showed me that we're all just people. And I think it's a case of you can't be what you can't see. So it took me being in in her light, in her grace to say, oh, yeah, everyone's life is made better when we all show up with our full force of our being with our full heart with our full talent with our full courage and um, and then I got to practice every week being a character who was my way or the highway and it changed me molecularly 17 hours a day to be Melly I mean it it healed me in some very significant ways, as did that group of people because they were so unconditionally supportive. There was no backstabbing, no undercutting, no second guessing. People would take a bullet for each other. And um, there was just a lot of healing that happened during Scandal. It was, it was remarkable. But it feels different when you give yourself that, when you give yourself the space that, that you know you deserve, um, that you're hiding from or shying away from. It is such a relief to just be present, to not be hiding. It gets to be a drug, and you never want to go back.
1: You mentioned Lynn Paolo, yeah. the costume designer. I read something funny the other day. I read an older article that somebody said... Mellie and Olivia are two examples of women that are depicted in Washington that are completely not like women in Washington fashion-wise. Like, so much better dressed. So much more fashion-forward. <laughs> and I thought that was funny because, I mean, obviously, your two characters did dress impeccably on the show. But you in particular, or Melly in particular, really did embody, to me, that political wife look that slowly evolved into something a little bit more powerful. Were you involved in the clothing? Did you ever get to jump in with suggestions about what you should wear? Well, first of all,
0: Lynn tells an incredible... Like, you could watch the show with the sound off and the color story alone is breathtaking. Like, you'll get the emotional impact of everything just in her color story, which used to drive her crazy because Shonda's final draft is her final edit. So sometimes she wildly restructures and Lynn like, no, why is that orange in the first act? But, you know. um, But she always uh, had a very clear vision of how to change the characters, how to let the characters evolve. And Melly, as you say, we went... Went from a governor's wife to the first lady, and then eventually to a divorcee, then finding her own career again, and then to president of the United States. That's amazing. And to be in the fittings as we started, because you have to, it's like sculpting. You just have to keep trying, and some things work and some things don't. We knew very early we needed to get rid of the pearls. We needed to get rid of the the little um, sweaters, the little shrugs. Why? Uh, Was like, it just like too it cliche, just wasn't, or it just
1: wasn't the character?
0: It wasn't her. She mm-hmm. evolved. You know, she had to step out of that once she was um, Mm smelly-melly, you know, like once she walked through the fire and lost her son there was just a loss of innocence that just did not um, condone such uh, frivolity, you know but the first time we wore pants was like a big deal for it It was I think it was the first scene of the last season and we had that scene with... um, my wonderful Carrie. She's like, do you want to be a, you know, asterisk or a monument? And I was like, I want to be a monument. And we wore pants and it just felt monumental. It really, really did. Did you keep anything? I did. The they let us what? buy things, so oh, you know. What? I actually bought that outfit. I bought the pants outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With these gorgeous white pants, this red. Oh God, Do I'm terrible with the names. Design? I don't. I bought a gorgeous green, um, Saint Laurent, um, skirt suit, um, and a beautiful Theory like pinstripe suit with pants. And I was like, oh, I'll audition in that. I'll yes. have to get another job.
1: <laughs> Do you feel like you'll really wear those things again, or are they just?
0: mementos
1: that I don't you're going mean. to cherish forever. Yeah, I'm really yeah. glad to have them. And I have that gorgeous Smelly Melly robe. So you mentioned Smelly Melly. Do you yeah. want to clarify? I know what it is, but why don't you clarify what that is? Because just in case, I mean, I think, and what's before you do, what's so funny is when I was when I was researching you, there were so many articles on the internet right now just being like, bring back Smelly Melly. Give me, Like people are obsessed with that period of... of Melly's development, but why don't you
0: explain what it is? Well, Smelly Melly was a phase that Melly went through when she lost her son. Her son, Jerry, died, and it just she was no longer able to support the artifice that her life. Um, entailed. So she just gave it all up. She took off the pearls. She took off the dresses. She just walked around the White House in sweats and Uggs and yesterday's underwear. And she had this gorgeous kimono that she didn't give up because she still, you know, wanted to be fabulous, a little bit fabulous. But she just could see through the lies. And I think that's why people love her, is she just didn't play the game anymore. And she would just call people on their BS constantly, and there was a freedom. She was drunk all the time and just quipping and eating fried chicken on the balcony and just free. And she'd always been so pinned in that I think it was just a joyful release for everyone to get to watch her Even in this horrible sorrow, grief is often represented so narrowly, especially a woman's grief, you know, there's a particular kind of crying you're supposed to do if someone dies. And I think it was also freeing for people to see that grief takes so many forms and is a very personal thing and it can be biting and it can be ugly and it can be hilarious and it can be drunken and it can be you know it can just be so much and so I think it also held space for so many other people who have grieved in other ways I know I am one of those people um so I think it was relief in that way too
1: Was it a challenge for you to film those scenes? I mean, go from wearing sort of these fabulous pantsuits to wearing a bathrobe and Uggs. I mean, that kind of must have been a little bit freeing for you, comfortable. I loved it. Anyone who
0: knows me well will know that that is far closer to me than putting on hose every morning. Yes. (laughs) Melly wore hose. Do you know anyone who wears hosts? I
1: don't. I, I mean, mean, we did,
0: I did all of North Carolina, like all of my growing up, but, um, and I, I think that that's still a staple of many people's lives, um, but I had just hadn't even seen a pair of hose in so long no, and I that was restrictive in
1: very specific ways as well although I guess if someone I mean I guess if someone just said out of nowhere like who wears hose I would say politicians politicians, politicians wives no, senators. I think it was
0: absolutely appropriate and they do make things fall better <laughs>
1: like you know a certain things so, right. like I can't wear
0: Spanx I'm not a Spanx wearing human it sends such negative messages to my brain Mm -hmm. um I like I could never act if my thighs were encased like that it's not I can't do it but I can see how you know hosiery is helpful but I was just like wow this is a different thing I'm glad to be out of my hose for a minute
1: how do you describe your style if you're not working and you're either you know running around the city or going Mm. out at night or Mm. doing date night like what do you do like how do you dress what do you like to wear
0: I am an intensely pragmatic human. So I want to look pretty, but I want to be comfortable. I never want to sacrifice comfort. And that always starts at my shoes. Like I need to... I need to walk. I need to be able to, you know, do five miles if there's like some fun thing to, you know, walk up to the park and take a boat out on the river. I want to be able to have adventures. So I I need to start with a cute, comfortable shoe. And then after that, it's usually black. It's usually monochromatic. I hope it's forward leaning, Um, maybe a little menswear. Um, I, I, I stay over there. I'm not pink. I'm not glitters. I'm not ruffles. Yeah. Do you like to shop? I really don't. And that's one of the great gifts of this job, like getting to be an actor, is I wake up, clothe my naked body, go to work, and someone, someone else who's really wonderful dresses me in a way that tells a story. And uh, that is a great relief to me because I think when I dress myself, I want my mind to be more of the story than my clothes. So I, I, I think,
1: yes, I'm, I'm very grateful to be in better hands. When you first started I guess you know making some real money did your Ah. approach to shopping change at all because I kind of feel like it's hard it's it would be hard I I to me it would be hard not to change my mindset you know what I mean like you're successful you have money where you like fuck it I'm gonna go out and buy you know a five thousand dollar bag or something like that
0: That isn't what I do, especially because I pay a stylist. You know, you pay per look and you keep nothing. So I have a lot of, like, I'm making it rain, but Mm -hmm. it's all going out the door and I don't get to keep anything. So I have, like, dipped in on, like, the real real at Decades in L.A., which is a beautiful vintage shop. But um, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I will get there. Maybe I'll walk in. I wished... I'm so sad that Alexander McQueen died. He was my favorite, like, one of my favorite geniuses ever in any arena, and I am sad that I do not own anything. Have you ever worn anything? Yes. yes. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yes. And I you just, you know, oh, they take it off you. You could just fight them off, but... Oh. I love it so much, It's and it beautiful. feels I mean, it's
1: so. It's so beautiful it's and feminine. It's transformative. What but do it's mean?
0: not just feminine. It's it's the story, and so you can feel the energy. It's not. It's dark. It's light. It's freeing. It's encasing. It's it's a, such a transformative experience. But all clothes are
1: not like that for me. How did you get your start acting? How did you How did you start?
0: I started singing. I always sang when I was in North Carolina. So. Um, uh, you know, Summer Stock really early, and you know, Gretel and the Sound of Music when I was five, and you know, culturally absolutely inappropriate Nagana and South Pacific
1: when I was seven, and things like that. So I'm going to blow your mind right now and what? tell you what that I saw you on Broadway in 1997 oh in god. The Life. my god! Oh my god! So okay, there was a show in 1997 on Broadway called The Life, and it was about.
0: Hookers and pimps in Times Square in 1980.
1: Prostitutes in Times Square in the 80s. And I grew up, so I grew up here in New York. I was an aspiring musical theater person. Okay, we need to get back to that. Well, and then I realized that I couldn't really sing or dance. I don't think that's true.
0: If you aspired, I don't think that's true.
1: I was an okay actor, but I was not a a singer or a dancer. I like thought I was, I wasn't, but I was a really, really tremendous fan. And I saw that show, I think, I don't know, I think my parents got tickets for me and my sister And I became so obsessed with it. I think I saw it three or four times and brought my friends to see it. Like, it's such a weird thing. I was a teenager. I love it. And, like, we would buy the soundtrack and we would sing the songs. It was a good song. So Cy Coleman, you guys, Cy Coleman wrote the
0: the music and it was lovely. And Lilius White and Pam Isaacs sang their
1: faces Like, it was a really... I loved it. I loved it it too. But I I never realized, I mean, obviously, I mean, when I started watching Scandal and seeing you around, I'm like, why does she look and sound so familiar? I'm like, holy shit, I saw her on (laughs) Broadway like a decade ago. I also
0: had this gorgeous, they had made this Kim Novak wig, this like waist, blonde blonde blonde, down to my waist, but like lace front piece of gorgeousness they had made for me. Are
1: you... I mean, are you at all interested in getting back to Broadway? I would go back tonight. I would go back tonight. I'd be so happy. I mean, I
0: hope I let us do, like, you know, let us get a back five and work until February, but then I'm
1: available. That was your first time on Broadway.
0: First time on Broadway, yeah. I had done, you know, off-Broadway, I did the um, Mary We Roll Along with Sondheim. Like, the first revival of that was Susan Shulman. And I'd done Out of Town with the My Fair Lady revival with Richard Chamberlain and, and Sunset for a Second, Sunset Boulevard rehearsals. And, you know, I'd done a bunch of stuff, but that was my first run as a lead on Broadway. And it was a dream.
1: And even though I know the show isn't something that a lot of our listeners would know, I'm very curious because it was obviously about prostitutes in the 80s. AD- <laughs> <laughs> what did you wear anything? to that audition that sort of spoke oh, to the God, role? Oh, God, that's
0: the best question. Perry, um, <laughs> I was moving into an apartment on the Upper West Side. My mom was here helping me and I got this call to go audition. they have been auditioning for a while and they just hadn't found this character and I got this call to audition. I couldn't find any of my sheet music. Everything's in boxes and I could find... I remember what I wore. I wore... Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, it's terrible now Tell to think about now. it. Tell me now. It's just terrible. <laughs> I, I, I feel such shame because I know you've probably always been fashionable. I wore like ecru tights and a tan suede miniskirt. And they pulled their file cabinet open and I looked through their sheet music and we found something for me to sing. And I sang it and Joey McNeely was our choreographer. He was like, point your toe, point your toe. And I was like, he can tell how I dance by pointing my toe. (laughs) Like I was so corn fed and innocent.
1: And And that's the role though. You played an off the bus. I know, that's the thing. I walked home. Ingenue
0: because I was so ashamed to tell my mother that I'd left her unpacking my apartment and tanked the audition. And by the time I got home, they called and gave me the part. That's amazing. Oh my God. It was the best. I can't believe you're so nice to ask me about that. I haven't thought about that in gosh,
1: 20 years. Yeah. I feel like that was fortuitous because <laughs> I was like, I have to talk to somebody about this. It's so crazy. So then from there, how did you break into television?
0: Well, you know, you, well, live you, in, also, you I feel
1: like I I was looking at your, your IMDB and you've been an everything. I jobbed around a lot. But always, it's a Pete. But it's <laughs> yeah.
0: always a bridesmaid,
1: But it's not always a bridesmaid. I always feel like that. I mean, I recently, I forget who I was talking to, but I was talking about Sterling K. Brown from This oh, Is Us yeah. and him too. I yeah. mean, he had sort of a breakout with OJ, the role he yeah. played on OJ, and now obviously This Is Us. And then I was doing some research on him and he too has had such a stellar resume for years. And you just, it's just that, that breakout that breakout role that you know them for, like I feel like most people probably know you as Melly. Yeah, but you've really, you've really worked steadily.
0: I've been so lucky. Which Which is, I'm knocking wood. I'm knocking on your table. I hope it's wood. I feel like that's
1: the dream. The dream. Career, like- I had
0: a real real job one week out of college down on Wall Street. I temped. I had no discernible skills. Did you wear suits? I wore appropriate office wear. <laughs> and uh, it was a Japanese firm, and they switched me all around and realized I could do nothing at the end of the week. They gave me my first red bean cake and sent me on my way. And I've been lucky enough to act and sing and dance since then. <laughs>
1: How did you dress? I'm curious. You were talking a little bit about growing up. How did you, how did you dress when you were young? Like as a kid, as a teenager, like what was your style?
0: Well, you know I'm Southern, yes. so they do the baby no. pageants in the South. I love your face. If, if everyone could have seen Perry's face, just then, it was the best. Wait,
1: what is a baby pageant? <laughs> they like not their a children ch- and like, pageants, like baby, baby.
0: Well, yes, there are plenty. I didn't start until I was five in 1975 oh, with the bicentennial pageant. My so my mama would make all these outfits, and. Um, Until I was old enough to say, because I am the least competitive person, except with myself. I'm really hard on myself, but I I just want not... I want everybody to feel good about themselves, and I don't need to win or be right. Um, So I finally told my mom that I didn't enjoy the competing, but the whole... Social structure is already in place, right? So I would go and emcee. So I'd be like, Scarlet is wearing an islet dress with a fuchsia cummerbund. And like, then I'd sing <laughs> Climb Every Mountain while they like tallied the votes. And like, yes. it was a lot. And then I was so pretty and pink in high school. I could like sew myself anything. And, you know, I made my prom dress and like all it? of that. Oh, yeah. I used to it? be good at, uh, well, the l- most recent one was white. Most recent. Huh. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> like I made my debutante dress, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a my maker. Debutante, you and know, so you know. We have we have hobbies in the south, southern, southern, truly southern. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, all right, I want to talk about your new show. <gasps> okay, please tell me everything. Prodigal Son. Who do you play? I play
0: Jessica Whitley, my husband. We get to go back and forth in time in the show. In 1998, I'm married to Martin to uh, Michael Sheen, uh, who plays Martin Whitley. And he, come to find out, is a terrible or wonderful, from your point of view, serial killer. He's killed at least 23 people that we know of. And on the night that we meet this family, he's being carted off to jail. And our nine-year-old son and our six-year-old daughter are there. And... Um, in the present day, it's sort of uh, a show that's asking, "What if your father were Hannibal Lecter, and our son has grown up to be a profiler trying to atone for the sins of his father?" And I'm on the Upper East Side, just trying to make it to the day, sitting beside Mrs. Madoff and the Sacklers, and you know, like oh, just you know, and uh, he's out there trying to save the world. So it's it's so creepy and so funny. It's. I love it so
1: much, Perry. An article I read today described your character as quote an elegant waspy New Yorker who wields sarcasm like a samurai sword. Okay, that to me means amazing <laughs> fashion. That just translates oh, to fashion. Yes. Like I'm picturing waspy, like you said, upper east side, sarcastic. What What are the clothes like? What?
0: Lots of leather, because you know. Ooh. And as much as I've been a vegan since 1988 yes. and an animal lover, Jessica. Likes her animals on the plate, on the wall, on her shoulders, that kind of thing. You know, she is very circumspect. Are you okay with them? Um, yeah, it's yes. I don't love it. It's wearing leather always makes me think of silence Little Lambs. He was making a human suit. Um, but, <laughs> but Jessica loves it and she looks great. So it's like leather and trenches and stilettos. We have some of the, the most unforgiving Louboutins that are, you know, this is the prettiest thing I've ever, ever seen in my life. So it's just, it's all big jewelry and just i saw jessica lang receive a women in film award once and um the whole her whole speech it was so striking cuz she couldn't stop sort of rubbing herself it was so like autoerotic and i sort of feel like that's where jessica lives she's just sort of like liquid and cutting but delicious and always you know cocktail in hand pill to the tongue <laughs> naturally martini in hand yes
1: love it she sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you about, previously we'd spoken and you mentioned an outfit um, that I'm curious about. You mentioned what you wore um, on the first date that you went on yeah. with your partner, your boyfriend. Yeah. Boyfriend, partner, yeah. however yeah. you choose oh, whatever, to say. Whatever, it's but you're allowed uh, you
0: to you say dude. whatever you
1: want. Um, so he, Pedro Segundo, right? Yep. He's a percussionist? He is. Is that right? So how long yeah. have you guys been dating? A little over two years now. I'm interested in why you feel like that was sort of something pivotal or something worth mentioning, like what you choose and why was that?
0: Well, first of all, a lot of my life has been framed by death. So there were a lot of, you know, things I could remember to wear to funerals or graduations. And I just thought, well, that's, well, let's not live there. But I also was a very late bloomer in terms of uh, both a sense of self And a sense of fashion. So I feel like, um, uh, and a lot of it also is a product, I guess, of um, knowing you're safe with someone and in a group or in the world. But um, it was the first night that I sort of was like, hey, I feel sexy, but I feel strong. I feel understated, but present. Um, Oh, I feel like myself. And what were you wearing? I was wearing... um, a cute little shorts uh black halter back um romper and a, a fabulous uh blazer that I gotten at decades and these slingbacks that I gotten at Barney's black suede pin pinup slingbacks and some like big gold jewelry but loose sort of Laurel Canyony you know not too not too rumors but you know like <laughs> you know kind of present and um yeah, I'm usually uh, pretty body conscious, and I just was in a good place that day, that night, that time, and uh, and it was nice to walk with confidence in the world. I'm so lucky to be an actor because you get to live like a thousand lifetimes in one lifetime, right? And clothes are such a tool for transformation. And so when you need to feel uh, beleaguered or pitiful or self-doubting or, um, you know, underdog, you can do that. When you need to feel prim or constrained or uh, adhering to protocol, you can do that. When you need to feel like the rebel, you know, it's very, but in real life, um. I walk through life pretty emotionally, so I feel like all those things on any given day. So I get a little confused, I guess. Um, So when I hit on outfits that sort of feel simple but strong and still let me be, um, and let my sexuality be present, uh, I, I feel lucky and lean onto them. I really lean in. Do
1: you ever feel an insecurity being an actor I know you're based in New York now, but when you're in L.A., is there, I just feel like living in L.A. must be so intense. I am
0: always given to the self-doubt bent, and I have to, um, I meditate a lot, which is uh, my biggest source of freedom. And then also, again, living in the matriarchy of scandal was really healing and, um, Carrie was such a good leader for a, uh, Katie and Darby and I had never been sort of in the crosshairs you know like we got to be in Scandal lucky us um, but she was so helpful guiding us um, incrementally as we were able to receive it you know you can't learn what you, until you're ready but just leading us baby steps along how to do an interview how to you know find a stylist how to stand on the carpet like little tiny things and she has a whole persona that is red carpet Carrie and she doesn't take that on as her personal personhood. Um, That's a thing she does. It's Mm -hmm. a performance, just like it's a character, like any other character she gets hired to play. And even framing it like that was, because it's so fun, like nowadays, gender's so fluid and it's so fun to watch the construct, how people interpret it, um, you know, in in, in such a wide arena of humanity. And that is exciting for me, like the story, like telling a story through clothes, makeup, hair, and all of that. But... um, Yeah, LA is a particularly hard town. I'm so grateful to be in New York. I always, it's always felt like my heart's home, but it always, I have always made sense to myself here. Um, Black makes sense to me for
1: a fashion choice, so that helps too. That is very New York. It does.
0: But um, I guess the whole thing is, and it comes with age and experience, is knowing that. Your flaws are your strengths, you know, like if we were all 22 and thin and tan and blonde, it would really be boring. And and so it's what's interesting is what's in your heart and what you do with your time and how you show up for democracy and what you're reading and what you're wearing just gets it's a a shorthand so that people can start a conversation with you. And that part I love.
1: What do you think Mellie would be? wearing, let's say, 20, 30 years in the future, you know? what, what do you see I her? How do you see her? love it. If you could say how do you, when you close your eyes and envision the character? Let's exactly. say 20 years, what is she wearing? What is well,
0: she- after her, um, after her eight year tenure in the White House, <laughs> um, I like to think that she's off running um, a foundation, doing good work globally. And um, I, I like to think of her as somewhere between sort of a later day Audrey Hepburn when she was doing her UNICEF work and sort of Jane Goodall. So I think it's monochromatic and a little Eileen Fisher but bespoke and um, and the textiles are uh, glorious. I'm picturing a nice safari jacket oh, with right? a belt. It's so, it's so. wide leg pants. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some wide leg palazzo pants for everyone. Glasses on a chain. Of course, <laughs> but like a fabulous mala. Yes. You know, it's not just a chain. No. It's something, you know, that has a story to it. Yeah, so she She's global and eclectic. Um, but special. It'll always Melly will always need to be special. I She's like not future an off-the-rack person. Melly
1: is what I aspire to be. Global <laughs> and eclectic. I'll meet you there. Yeah.
0: That's her parting <laughs> words.
1: <laughs> to do a quick speed round? Okay. First oh, thing yeah. that comes to your mind, just say okay. What's the last thing that you bought? It doesn't have to be clothes. Just the last thing that you oat milk. Oat milk. <laughs> That's the last thing I bought. Trendy. <laughs> I know. First concert. Rick Springfield. Oh, where? Uh,
0: Charlotte, North Carolina. I lied yes. to my boyfriend. I had to go. Gotta go see Rick Springfield.
1: <laughs> <laughs> last meal on earth.
0: <gasps> last meal on earth good guacamole, good chips, great bourbon. That's all I need.
1: What's your favorite TV show of all time? Of
0: all time? First right now, Succession. Yes. And maybe it will be of all time. But I have to say, I remember watching the OG Twilight Zone with my dad when I was little, and I still tune in now. And those episodes blow my mind. Like when Burgess Meredith like steps on his glasses at the end of that, he has all the time in the world to read, and then he steps on his glasses. Like there was always a... Twist. It was such good storytelling.
1: My favorite sitcom of all time is Frasier and you were on Frasier. I, I didn't realize that until recently that I you were I, I remember you as the woman in the dry cleaner who had some um, spray paint on her jacket. I did. Kelsey Grammer comes in. It's a great episode. Uh, it was. It had was a fun. Share. I mean, that's the best Thanks, show girl. ever. <laughs> um and then lastly, I'm curious what era do you identify with fashion-wise? 70s. Yes.
0: I just love um, the ease of it all, the like rock and roll vibe, easy, smoky, like um, gl- they weren't afraid of glitter, you know, or lame, but it all was the, the way everything draped is just glorious. It didn't seem to fight the body. It just seemed to uh, make it more just sexy and glorious and whatever you had it enhanced and I just dig it.
1: Thank you so much, Bellamy, for coming on and talking about your new show, Scandal, fashion, everything. Um, Thank you again. Thank you. I'm going to see you on Broadway. See you on Broadway. (laughs) What I Wear When is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Monday. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows, I'm your host, Glamour Digital Director Perry Samitton. Follow me on Instagram at Perry Samitton, P E R R I E S A M O T I N. Our executive producer is Ali Perry, and our producers are Glamour's Kim Fassaro and iHeart's JJ Posway. What I Wore When is engineered by Emily Marinoff and Derek Clements. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Diana Buckman at Condé Nast. For more information on today's episode, go to glamour.com slash what I wore when.